Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Tuesday edition of the program. So glad to have you with us here and uh, had a pause yesterday, but glad to be back with you. Look forward to being with you the rest of the week as we get ready for the Christmas holiday coming up on Saturday. A great time of year from a sports perspective and just really a, a fun time of year as well. And so much basketball going on right now. A lot of college games this week. You've got the college football bowl games, which I haven't paid a, a ton of attention to just yet because, to be quite honest, there are so many bowl games now, and I think there was even a game added, some sort of extra bowl this year, where every bowl team that was eligible that could possibly qualify for a bowl was able to land a spot this year. So haven't paid a, a ton of attention. I did watch a little, I guess, of the Western Kentucky uh, win in their bowl game, but that's about all so far. But that's going on, and that's going to really – Heat up here as we get a little bit later in the week, so that's always kind of fun to have going on in the background for me, at least from a basketball perspective. And lots of high school hoops as well. There is high school basketball uh, all over the place uh, beginning this week and a little pause for Christmas and even Christmas or Eve on Friday. But uh, So it's not really a standard weekend per se, but uh, next week heading up to the new year as well, there's a lot of special basketball opportunities, learning a lot about some of our local teams as well. They've had some big challenges here uh, last week and this week and coming up as well. So we're going to find out a lot more about Floyd Central, who's coming out of a huge weekend uh, with two big victories, and we'll talk about that a little bit more today as well. That's uh, Let's take a look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a couple moments. We'll have our daily headlines. That's where we look at the top news around southern Indiana and IU sports each day here on the program. And then later in the show, it's Tuesday, so Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier will join. We've got some IU basketball uh, stuff to chat about with uh, Mike when he's with us today. And, of course, two games left, one before Christmas and then one between the uh, holiday or between the two holidays for IU. And then it's all Big Ten play from, I think, January 2nd forward for the Hoosiers. So um, a couple games to work out any final kinks. And Northern Kentucky on Wednesday night should be an opportunity for Indiana to cruise. But, uh, again, there's things this team needs to work on. These uh, remaining two non-conference games against mid-major opponents offer opportunities to do so. And, of course, after that, jumping into Big Ten action full-time the rest of the way uh, through the end of the regular season. So that's coming up with Mike. And then also Mike Pegram of Pigs.com is with us as well uh, on Tuesdays. He'll join to talk some IU basketball recruiting. Jalen Hood-Shafino has been playing with his Montverde team down in Florida. 
at one of the big holiday tournaments on a national level. He has just absolutely been outstanding. I think some of his games coming up are televised as well in this tournament. So a uh, chance to see him play here later this week on on uh, ESPN or their family of networks. But he has been outstanding. We'll discuss that, some other recruiting topics to catch up with Mike as well a little bit later here in the hour. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And just a reminder today, the Thornton's text line is open. It's always open here on the program. You can send in your questions, your comments, your thoughts on IU basketball, uh, your thoughts on local sports. We'll do everything we can to work them all into the program each day. And the number, just open up a text message on your phone and type in 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. And don't forget, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and their delicious donuts as well. All right, let's dig into some headlines here today in our opening segment. And since we didn't have a Monday show, I do want to at least touch on the IU victory over Notre Dame, part of the Crossroads uh, Classic uh, that, of course, was a finale. Uh, that event will not happen again. Indiana and all the other three teams moving on to other non-conference opportunities. But Indiana gets a big win, 64-56. And I think the win over Notre Dame looks even better because Notre Dame defeated Kentucky in their last outing before that Indiana game. And so Indiana actually will finish uh, the Crossroads event with their fifth straight victory on Saturday, and they've got an overall record of 8-3. and three. So IU will conclude the event uh, featuring all in-state Division I programs uh, with the best record uh, all time in the field, which is, I think, a great mark for IU. And uh, move on to a Kansas home-and-home home series, which will begin a year from this past Saturday, which I know a lot of fans are looking forward to as well. But just briefly, to touch on the game, and we'll get more uh, into IU basketball, where things stand with Mike Schumann here in the next segment. But I thought the defense was good. Trace Jackson Davis got off to a slow start, but he was able to dominate once he got it going. Uh, Indiana really did well guarding some of the key Notre Dame players, like Blake Wesley, the freshman that I had mentioned from South Bend that Indiana was very interested in, recruited very hard. And then, of course, probably the highlight for most of us was Rob Finnessy. I think you could say that he had uh, his best performance of the season so far. He had six points, five assists, five rebounds, one block shot, one steal, played 25 minutes off of the bench. He was only two of eight from the field, but did make two three-pointers. And if you remember, those three-pointers seem to come at really important important junctures in the game for IU. So, uh, you know, we've seen Rob have great moments, mediocre moments, and a lot of bad moments where he's not the leader, the point guard uh, that you hope he would be at this point. So we'll see what happens over the next two games if he is able to uh, get more um, more involved in things and maybe become more consistent for this Indiana team. So uh, that coming up, uh, here, that's something interesting to watch, I think, definitely over the next few games before Indiana jumps in to Big Ten play after the first of the year. And, of course, the other concerning thing, I think Indiana started the game 3 of 11 from the field, had eight turnovers as well in the first 15 minutes of the game. So if you were just scoring – the start of the game, the start of the first half, the first 10 minutes or more, uh, you know, Indiana did not look good, to be quite honest, but able to get the victory and play much, much better in the second half. And 
I think anytime you can beat a Notre Dame team, an in-state Division One team that just came off a win over Kentucky, it's obviously a good mark for the program heading forward in the future. So we'll see if Indiana can capitalize on that. The next two games I mentioned are opportunities to uh, kind of clean things up and get ready uh, for a Big Ten play. 7 o'clock tip-off tomorrow. Indiana will host Northern Kentucky. That means that the pregame coverage will begin at 6 o'clock with Don Fisher and crew here on the Big X. And then uh, a week off, basically, next Wednesday, uh, UNC Asheville will come to Bloomington to wrap up non-conference play. So Indiana's got you know a, a week in between games again after really a week between the Merrimack and Notre Dame games, essentially. Um, some more time off and uh, rest time, that could be good. I, and I'll ask Mike Schumann. I'm not sure with COVID and everything going on if uh, the IU players will be allowed to go home this year. I know last year they were not allowed to leave campus because of concerns about uh, you know bringing COVID and cases back to campus. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but the Big Ten uh, action for this team is just around the corner. One other uh, headline I wanted to mention related to IU basketball, you know, I really enjoy the Mike Woodson show. I encourage all of you to listen to it. We carry it almost every Monday here on the Big X, and he's got interesting things to say. He talks so plainly uh, to Don Fisher, who hosts the program, but he had he had some interesting uh, thoughts, and he always has interesting stuff to say. Uh, it's a little different than the Tom Crean or the Archie Miller days of his weekly or their weekly coaches shows. But he was uh, a little irritated with fans over uh, booing Rob, uh, or I should say, booing Xavier Johnson uh, over the weekend, especially. And I'm not sure if that's just happened one game or more games, but he said last night on the show, quote, that irritates me. I just want to send a shout-out to all of our Hoosier Nation fans, man, because, again, we've got to ride this journey together. Xavier catches a lot of hell from me as a coach, and none of our players need that. Listen, we're one big family. Hoosier Nation has always been a family and will always be. I can't tell you how to come to the game and react, but booing is not the way to go for me. Let's be positive. This team hasn't been together that long. We've had 14 games together as a group, three is exhibition games that don't count. So we're still trying to learn one another, and they're trying to deal with me as a coach, and that isn't always easy. When I look at it, the booing part of it was disturbing because I'm not used to hearing that from our Indiana fans because they are the best fans in the world. I've always said that, and I applaud Coach Woodson. I, I think it's very inappropriate to boo a, a college athlete, especially this early into the season, really at any time. I think you could make an argument that that is just a bad look, especially from a fan base like IU that uh, is really, I think, an intelligent fan base and an involved fan base when it comes to everything in the program. But I applaud Woodson for taking on that uh, directive on his program, and I think it was well stated in the the way that he put, put it forward, but obviously – Concerns there from Coach Woodson about fans and booing, uh, which I agree with completely. Also, a football note, I want to mention IU football has scheduled a home-and-home with Virginia of the uh, ACC Conference. Uh, That was announced yesterday, coming up in future years. It's 2027 and 2028, so if you're keeping track of the IU football schedule for years to come, IU will open up on September 4, 2027 uh, in Charlottesville, and then they'll host the uh, Virginia Cavaliers on the next uh, September 16, 2028. Uh, Those teams have played before. I think they've split in previous college football meetings, uh, but they're set to hook up again in 2027 
and 2028. Also, uh, an IU basketball note as far as a former player, Jawan Morgan, who's kind of been floating around the NBA and the G League looking for opportunities here the last few seasons. He's got a chance to team up with OG Ananobi in Toronto, at least temporarily, as the Raptors have signed Morgan to a 10-day contract. I saw it was stated uh, because of the league's hardship exemption uh, is how it was reported. I did not see the full story. I'm assuming, again, a key word here is assuming, that Toronto has had some COVID-19 issues and that that is one of the exemptions uh, because it seems to be really going around the NBA right now. Uh, that's one of the exemptions that allows you to add an extra player to your roster if you've got some that are unavailable. So we'll see if Morgan can make the most of uh, this opportunity with Toronto, but he's going to get a chance to team up with OG Ananobi, who has had a really good season for the Raptors, and I think we uh, have said this. He's the IU player, the former IU player in the league right now that is probably having the most consistent impact with this team and maybe at this juncture of his career you would say has the best chance to have uh, future seasons, a career uh, at, at the professional level uh, in the NBA. So that's a good sign for Morgan. We'll see if he can find uh, some sort of a permanent home. Also, uh, a couple high school notes, high school basketball. Will Loving's Watts is set to return tonight, it sounds like. Uh, for the Jeffersonville Red Devils. They take on a Louisville Western team who is very good this season. They were kind of the uh, surprise team in Louisville last year. They're very solid once again this season. Uh, but the Red Devils are expected to be without Kobe Studemeyer tonight. This would be the second game that Studemeyer misses because of an ankle injury that he had during the Seymour game a week and a half or so ago. So tough times for the Devils. They've been without Loving's Watts all season long. Now they're without Kobe Studemeyer for, a we think, a short period of time. And Andrew Grants, their head coach, he came back to the tournament last night uh, where Jeffersonville was handled by J-Town, Jefferson Town from Louisville. He really didn't coach. He was more of an assistant coach, it sounded like, uh, in the ball game last night. But uh, he's recovering from bilateral pneumonia. Uh, did not have COVID and uh, is hoping to resume full coaching duties here very soon for the Jeff Red Devils. But uh, Will Lovings Watts, he'll make a big impact. I expect the Devils to be competitive tonight uh, with this Western team that's pretty good. Should be a, a, a great a couple, really a tough couple matchups here this week for Jeffersonville forthcoming over in Louisville. Also, a shout-out uh, coming out of the weekend. I know we missed Monday's show, so I didn't get a chance to go through all the high school notes that I typically do on Mondays, but you got to give credit to Floyd Central. They played a very tough Providence team on Friday night on the road uh, we were at the Jeff Silver Creek game doing that here on the Big X. And two good games, at least until the final few minutes of both of those games. But Floyd Central was down at Providence at halftime, had to battle back. They got the win. They went on to win by you know a reasonable margin. Then they played Bloomington South on Saturday night. And Bloomington South isn't the normal Bloomington South team. I think it's fair to say that. But Floyd able to get a big win over them as well. So a big weekend. Anytime, and I think Todd Sturgeon said this in the News and Tribune, anytime you can beat teams like Providence and Bloomington South back-to-back -back in the same weekend, that's a really good weekend for any high school basketball team. And so a big weekend for Floyd Central as I think they take a step further uh, as far as the top area teams go uh, this season. They are really beginning to come together. They're going to get challenged next week. They have some games up in Indianapolis against a very good Pike team. I think they also play 4A Avon while they're up in Indianapolis as well. So a couple good challenges coming up for the Highlanders here 
next week. That's a look at our headlines for this Tuesday edition of the program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. We'd love to hear from you. I think we've already got a couple texts in there. We'll address those in the next uh, segment, so stay with us for that. Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier coming up in the next segment. We'll talk IU basketball, the two remaining games of the 2021 portion of their schedule and just where this team is at as we head into Big Ten Conference play once the new year gets here. That, your questions on the Thornton's text line, and a lot more coming up in segment number two. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Tuesday program, IU Basketball, the subject here as we approach Christmas with uh, Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier, and your text and comments are welcome on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450. Mike, we did not have a Monday show yesterday. I was out, so I do want to go back to the Notre Dame game for just a moment, uh, your thoughts. Indiana got off to a slow start, especially offensively. Even Trace Jackson Davis was a little slow getting his feet underneath of him, I thought, in that Notre Dame game. But once they got it going, offensively, defensively, Rob Fennessy, a lot went well for the Hoosiers, especially in the second half. And I think it's a big win for IU to close out the Crossroads event to defeat Notre Dame, an in-state Division I opponent, and uh, to head into a couple uh, lesser attractive games before Big Ten Hoops returns here after the first of the year. Yeah, happy holidays, by the way, Matt. Um, I I do think it was an important win. They, they, As you said, they they started out really slow. I think they even from the opening play that they set up for Jackson Davis, he, he missed a shot. I don't. I think he may have only taken one other shot in the first twelve minutes of the game. So I think part of it was just you know them struggling to to play inside out as they appear to to want to emphasize. And and once they kind of reverted back to running the offense through him and through Race Thompson, where they clearly had some advantages and some favorable matchups. I think that you know not only got them going, but also got things going from from the perimeter. Uh, got got Parker Stewart going from three, and and as you mentioned, I thought Rob Fennessy did come in and get some really good minutes. Not not only did he make a couple of threes, but I was really intrigued in that game about how much time he and Xavier Johnson played together. Because one of the other things that was going on early in that game, to, to my eye anyway, was that Notre Dame was having a little bit of a success spreading Indiana out on defense you know Notre Dame was going with four and five out really focused on dribble penetration and they were getting to the rim effectively early in the game which helped them run out to that lead but but it seemed like once once Woodson adjusted and went with Fennessey and Johnson a little bit more together probably Indiana's two best perimeter defenders on the ball that that really kind of changed things and really caused Notre Dame to, to struggle to, to get things going you know, when they tried to attack off the bounce. Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, talking 
IU basketball with us. Mike, the win over Notre Dame, of course, I think it has to look better than maybe what it would have a week ago because of their win over Kentucky. But how how does that look on the resume? Obviously, any non-conference win is good, but I've got to believe with the schedule that IU had in non-conference play this year, uh, the Notre Dame victory, the St. John's victory, those are big pieces of what they've got put together so far. Yeah, th- third high major win of the year if you, you count Nebraska, which which should, of course. Um, um, but but I think it was like one of those things where, okay, they, they had a couple high major wins, they had a couple high major losses with Syracuse and Wisconsin. So if they stacked a third loss, then, then it starts to make you wonder, you know, what are these guys really about? Because, you know, going two and three against high majors – doesn't pretend well for the the Big Ten slate, which is obviously coming here in a in a couple weeks. So, I thought you know clear, clearly Notre Dame's you know had, had their share of struggles, but as you said, they were they were good enough to find a way to beat Kentucky. So it's you know it's not a win that you look at and say okay here here we go Indiana Indiana's for real. And clearly, you know voters and pollsters are, are not too compelled at this point either. But but it is a win that. You know, it's on a neutral court in a tournament type environment. We, we say, okay, they they started slow and they found a way. And unlike Wisconsin and Syracuse, you know, they they pulled it out late, which was really probably the most important thing about it. Talking with Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier, the latest on IU basketball. Mike, this week coming up, uh, obviously two opponents, one before Christmas, one after Christmas, the final two non-conference games on IU's schedule. Neither game is a big one. Uh, neither game uh, brings a, a, an intriguing ass- uh, uh, opponent to Assembly Hall. Uh, but these are games for IU to kind of work out some of the kinks before getting into a full slate of conference games. Yeah, and Northern Kentucky is interesting because when that news of that game first broke, whenever it was over the summer, I'd guess, I, I thought, hey, that, that could be a pretty interesting game because that, that's a program that has had some success, even made the NCAA tournament a few times here in, in recent years. But but so far they have just not looked good at all. I think they're 4-6 and six to, to open the season. They've really struggled on the offensive end. If, if you look at their – resume so to speak that their weaknesses line up directly with indiana's strengths which is you know probably predicts a, a pretty rough night for northern kentucky i think they're they're one of the worst teams in the country at shooting two-point shots uh, at 42 percent which is one of indiana's strengths so i think they're really going to struggle to score in the paint they're really an undersized team where they could give Indiana a little bit of trouble is they, they do turn people over at a pretty high rate. They're really aggressive on the defensive end. And so if, if they want to try to keep the game close on Wednesday night, I think that's where they're going to have to do it is to try to disrupt Indiana and get some cheap baskets in transition going the other way. All right, let's talk a little bit about Rob Finnessy. I think it's safe to say he had his best performance of the season so far uh, in the Notre Dame game. Your Your thoughts on – the consistency or maybe lack thereof that Rob brings to the IU team? And could could Saturday's game maybe, I know a lot of IU fans are saying hopefully, have been a turning point for him? Yeah, I mean, he's such a nice kid. You want it to be, I think, just instinctively if, you, if you're if you an IU fan because, you know, you he's a guy you want to root for. He, he His struggles are well-documented just both from an inconsistency standpoint, he's been open about, you know, just having confidence issues and, and things like that. I mean, you, you could even see it mid game. I mean, early on when he was playing, he, he missed quite a few, you know, shots at the rim, mid range floater type shots. And it kind of, at the time, 
you know, was a little bit of, okay, it's the same Rob that, you know, he's giving you good defense, but he's struggling to to convert on the offensive end. But, you know, then, then he hits a real, what I thought was really the turning point in the game, late second half, I think right around the four minute mark, it, Indiana had a possession that got late shot clock. And it, it was just one of those points where, you know, if he's struggling mentally, struggling with confidence, it was so late shot clock that he didn't have time to think it was okay. He got an open three, uh, he he had to take it. He stepped into it and knocked it down. I think it gave Indiana a five-point lead at the time. And, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll have to see if that leads to anything, you know, on a protracted, you know, good run for him. I think it's probably been too many times that we've seen those moments and thought that they were going to lead to bigger and better things, and they, they didn't for whatever reason. Sometimes through no fault of his own with the injuries and things like that. So so we'll have to see. But I I do really like him and Johnson on the perimeter together defensively because I, I do think that's been one of Indiana's weak points defensively is, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the Parker Stewart and Miller cop lineup together uh, because I don't think that they're great on the defensive end. And I think when – when Woodson transitioned to more of Tennessee and Johnson, while they while it makes them a little bit undersized defensively, I think that that's a defensive lineup that can give teams nightmares to the extent that they can, you know, that that they're not oversized against their opposition. So, I think if Tennessee can get more minutes because of his defense and just kind of find a rhythm, uh, we'll we'll see what that leads to on the offensive end. But you know. It, he he's got a track record of inconsistency. That wouldn't surprise me either. But like I said, he's he's a kid that you just want to root for. Mike, I thought that uh, IU's defense against Notre Dame was especially good. Uh, that has been an area that we've uh, we've been watching and have had concerns with. I know at times this season and really in in recent years, um, as we head into the final two games of the 2021 portion of their schedule. Uh, how do you size up IU's defensive performances so far? And is this a defense that's made improvements and is ready to jump into guarding uh, high-quality Big Ten teams here very soon? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question because you, you look at the Syracuse game and, you know, you, you put shooters on the floor, you, you spread Indiana out, you know, you have really good ball movement that they really struggled in that game. And so in St. John's, they struggled a little bit, you know, they forced a lot of turnovers in that game, but when St. John's was able to complete a possession, they they were pretty effective as well. So uh, to to answer your question, I'm not real sure. I mean, obviously the numbers for Indiana defensively are, are really good right now, but you know, what is that, you know, six or seven games against, mid-majors or low-majors obviously is, is inflating now. You know, like I said, I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about Stewart and Cop on the floor together because I don't think, you know, on-the-ball perimeter defense is the strength of either player. Um, I think they can find better lineups. I'd include Tamar Bates in that equation as a guy that I think can give you better defensive minutes. I, I'd kind of like to see Stewart and Cop in separate rotations, not only for their defense, but probably also because they're the two best shooters on the team. And, you know, kind of having them separate might be beneficial in that regard as well. So, you know, I, I, I see obvious strengths. I also have those concerns. You also have to wonder, you know, in the paint. I mean, obviously, Trace Jackson Davis has been 
incredible with blocking shots. He's almost tripled his numbers from, from last year in that regard. Rick Thompson is really steady, but you know, they're, they're, they're going to see some tougher matchups down the road with, with the Zach Edes and the Kofi Coburn's Hunter Dickinson's. So, so those are going to tell the, the real story, but, but, overarching you know there's there's no major concerns with them defensively other than you know maybe perimeter oriented but with cop and stewart i'd say mike i want to go to the thornton's text line for a moment we've got a couple comments questions i want to bring forth to you and get your opinion on uh first one is a question about next season just figuring that trace and race are gone what will we do for big men Durr just doesn't look like he could replace either player any sprot any prospects that are unknown Thanks. That's the uh, the question. Thinking ahead to the roster, specifically the front court for next season. Yeah, it's a great question because I'm pondering the same thing. You know, I, I think the safe bet, you know, without really having any inside information on it, is to assume that, that Jackson Davis and Thompson are going to move on. They're both obviously eligible to come back, and things like name, image, and likeness change the, the thought process for for guys like them, but. Um, if I were a betting man, I would say both will not be with the team next year. Um, so, so it does obviously raise those questions because I, I agree. I, I don't think you've seen enough from Michael Durr yet to think, okay, we can just, you know, put him down in the post and be our, you know, 30 minute a game guy and expect big things out of him. You know, maybe as he continues to get back to 100% physically. Maybe we'll see more, but I would agree with the point that that we haven't seen that to this point. Same goes for Logan Duncan. I mean, I think I think he's probably at least a year away from being a guy that you can trust with, with big minutes in in Big Ten type competition. So I think you're going to have to look to the transfer portal at this point. I don't know of any 2022 prospects that they that they would bring in. Uh, I think most of that's been pretty well exhausted at this point. And so it, transfer portal's got to be the, the, the direction that they go. Um, and it's, a, it's obviously a tough thing to predict at this point who's going to go in. You don't typically start to see names until February at, at the soonest. So I think um, that, that, that's where this thing's headed, in my opinion, because I, I, don't, I don't think there's any other high school prospects out there that could come in next year and make an immediate impact. Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier is my guest. Mike, one more question from you, uh, for you from the uh, Thornton's text line. This is from my friend Jeff Bennett. He says, I didn't like our fans booing X Johnson, but he did show some grit coming back in the game and doing really pretty good. But teams are not going to guard him. I don't think he really has a choice. He's going to have to take some of those open looks. Uh, that's the text, Mike. I, I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, Coach Woodson last night on his coach or so addressing that uh, his disappointment in IU fans uh, booing Xavier Johnson at the game on Saturday. And uh, you're, I guess this text is kind of an, an opportunity and opening to talk a little about Xavier Johnson. First off, uh, your thoughts maybe on what Coach Woodson had to say to the fan base last night, and then your thoughts on Xavier Johnson and where he fits in and is he, is, where, where his performances have rated to you so far for IU. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Woodson didn't say this, but I'll say it myself. I thought the booing was ridiculous. I kind of did my own double take at the game on Saturdays. I almost had to, like, try to figure out for a second, are, are they actually booing this kid right now? And I, and I know he's not a kid. He's probably 22. He's been in the game for a while. But he's still also a guy that's only been 
with this team for, I guess, 11 games at this point. He's, he's been a key part in some wins. I mean, I, I don't think they even probably pull out that Marshall game if, if he doesn't play as well as he did in that one, even though Jackson Davis scored 43. People should remember the things that, that Johnson did in that game. And there's been others where he's just really high level. Um, obviously, there's an inconsistency element to it, um, and, and as you suggested, there, there's a clear effort. We saw it against Wisconsin in the second half, and we saw it most of the Notre Dame game where that the gamble that coaches are taking is that they're going to go under screens, they're going to give him space, they're going to dare him to, to take perimeter shots, which is a little bit interesting because he came into that Notre Dame game, I believe, shooting 46% from three. He obviously had his struggles on Saturday. But, you know, I, I just don't understand the booing for a guy that, you know, has helped you win games, hasn't been there that long, came into the game shooting a high rate from three. I, I You know, I know we're – maybe I'm just – you know, I, I focus exclusively on IU, so maybe there's maybe this is a trend in sports where there, there's just so, you know fans are more vocal than they used to be. But I, I've not seen that too often, it, uh, you know, following Indiana, where fans have been so short fused, is what I would say with a specific player. I, I'd say, you know, cl- clearly Johnson had his struggles in Wisconsin, and if I had to guess, that's really what fueled it. People started to see a repeat of that performance. He, he started in the second half in Notre Dame to kind of take some ill-advised drives to the rim and throwing up some questionable shots. And then I think the specific moment when, when they started booing him was when the, he um, took a really early shot clock three pointer that, you know, he probably could have gotten at any point in the possession. So, so it was just kind of some impatience in, on his part, some impatience on the fans part. And I think it was, Probably not a coincidence that Woodson got that question last night. You know, I think he probably wanted to take a moment to tell the fans to just cool it a little bit. And I, I think that's probably some pretty good advice. Yeah, I agree. And I, as normal, Mike Woodson's got a way of saying things where he is pretty basic and uh, pretty simple. And I thought his words were uh, were very good last night on that subject. Mike, uh, final question for you. Um, I know last year it was different because of COVID and so many issues during the season, but and we're seeing some some COVID issues in sports and even college hoop cancel some games. The big UK U of L game that was set for Wednesday night that means so much to people here in our area, the Metro Louisville area, uh, is off, and Kentucky's now going to go, which I think is great, play Western Kentucky for a, a tornado benefit type situation there. But um, will the players at IU with a break they after Wednesday night's game, they don't play to the following Wednesday, will they get a couple days if they're near enough to go home uh, for the Christmas holiday or at least – to spend time with family for a day or two, or has there been any rumblings from within the IU program about what happens during Christmas this year, given that COVID is still around and again, has affected some games recently? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and I don't know for sure the answer on whether or not they're going to actually go home. They, they typically will, if they have a, a week like that, but given the, the environment, I, I don't know that you want guys to, to all go off to different parts of the country and, and then come back. So I don't know. I'll, I'll try to find that out tomorrow, you know, around people at the game. But um, I would suspect no in this specific case. And it it goes to a, a really interesting thing that's going on, you know, right now. I've even heard some people talking about it today with this this notion that, that 
teams are going to get handed a forfeit loss if, if they can't show up to play, which is different than what it was last year. You know, they if you couldn't play because you had COVID, they they tried to cancel and reschedule. You know, and I I actually asked Trace Jackson Davis at a media availability last week about this. You know, do you do you think it's fair that you guys have basically been, you know, told or you know encouraged heavily to to be vaccinated, to be boosted. You've done everything you can. You've cooperated with tests. You've stayed away from your family, as we're talking about now. Do you think it's fair that, you know, after doing everything you've been asked to do, you have to forfeit a game if, you know, know, for whatever reason, cases of COVID are still happening within your program? And and he said no, and I I completely understand that. I I don't know how in this situation when, when teams and players have done so much to, to try to avoid this it's still happening how you can hand them a forfeit loss um so i think that is that's a dynamic that i think john rothstein just reported that and i think others have reported that leagues are looking at that rule possibly changing it now's the time you have to change it before league play starts back up in january and so we'll just have to see what happens but that, i think in my opinion that's something that needs to change because Teams are doing everything that they're they've been asked to do, and I don't I don't think it makes a lot of sense to be handing teams losses at this point. Yeah, Mike. As we let you go, what will the crowds be like uh, in your estimation for the Wednesday game and the next Wednesday between Christmas and New Year? Will these be uh, some poorly attended games with students gone, or what do you expect here over the next few games at Assembly Hall? Traditionally, they they've been okay because these are you know, part of that mini series package where, where fans have been given an opportunity to, to get some games, you know, via the, the, the public, you know, non-season ticket holders because of the, the students not being there. But, you know, again, this weird world we're living in where people are concerned about variants and things like that. I honestly don't know. Um, the, the crowds with students for these mid-major and low-major games have been okay, not great. I, I guess they're probably, you know, four, twelve to 14,000 at games. Um, wouldn't surprise me if it was less than that with with everything that's going on right now. All right. Mike Schumann, The Daily Hoosier. You can read more at thedailyhoosier.com, at daily underscore Hoosier on Twitter. We appreciate, Mike, uh, you coming on each week with your great insight on IU Hoops. And uh, we'll talk with you again next Tuesday in advance of what will be the final game of at least this non-conference portion of the schedule. And uh, thanks for being with us. All right, Matt. Thank you, and happy holidays. Absolutely. Mike Schumann, our guest on Tuesdays to talk IU Hoops. We'll head to a break. When we come back, Mike Pegram of Pigs.com will be with us. We're going to talk a little basketball recruiting with him. Jalen hood Shafino has looked good in some of the holiday tournament action and more that we'll cover coming up next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here for a quick conversation with Mike Pegram on this Tuesday edition of the program. 
And, Mike, we get so busy in the middle of a season that we often don't talk as much recruiting or follow uh, future Hoosiers that are committed or signed with the program. But I tell you what, Jalen hood Shafino's had quite a season down in Florida playing at Montverde Academy so far. They're playing in one of the biggest holiday tournaments. In fact, they play one of the best high school basketball schedules you could ever make up. Uh, but he is a reason for IU fans to be excited about the future of this program, uh, regardless of anything else going on right now or with other recruits. Uh, he is an outstanding player. Yeah, I had the chance to watch him live last night, and he was impressive again. And it's the fourth time I've seen him this year. And he's exactly what Indiana needs, um, uh, a pure point guard. Maybe not a pure point guard, but terrific size and strength for the position and makes a lot of simple, very efficient passes and pretty decent defender, too. Uh, I think there's a good chance he could step in and start from, from day one. Mike, is he, and I've not seen him other than a couple games on television and some highlights, but is he a guy that is a multi-year college player at IU, or is his stock rising so much that he could be there just a short time before pursuing a professional career? You know, right now I'd lean to uh, somebody who played two years. He's not as explosive. You know, as, you know, uh, he's a good athlete, don't get me wrong, but he's not quite as explosive as some of the guys who – who go first round at the point position. And uh, he's got a little bit more to prove with his outside shot, though he's not a bad shooter. Uh, some little things, uh, you know, if he gets to where he's a first half, uh, you know, or a clear first rounder, that, that means he, he had a really good year at Indiana. But I, I would guess nowadays, I mean, now he would be a two-year guy. Gotcha. Mike Pegram, Peaks.com, with us talking a little basketball recruiting here to wrap up our Tuesday program uh, speaking of Hood Chafino, had a text on the Thornton's text line. Any truth to the visit of 2023 prospect K.J. Evans? He is Hood Chafino's teammate. I've seen it mentioned that uh, Mike, he is working with IU to set dates for an official visit, and that could be some really good news for Mike Woodson and the coaching staff. Yeah, actually, I talked to K.J. last night about visiting Indiana, and he says it's definite. I think he's not sure exactly – um, what those days are, but I think it's going to be in February. I mean, he gave me some days uh, last night for <laughs> when IU plays at Michigan State, and that's not going to happen. But um, he's, he he talked to me about why he wants to go to, to Indiana, why, why he likes Coach Woodson, and we'll have that in a story I think Jeff is working on for later today. Got it. Mike Pegram of Peaks.com, our guest. Mike, this is such a busy time for basketball, even though the holidays are rolling on. There's great – high school basketball going on as well at some of these big tournaments across the country. And we don't always have a local interest because Indiana teams can't travel or play teams that are for more than 300 miles uh, outside of any portion of the state of Indiana's border. But uh, some of these national level tournaments like where Jalen Hood-Shafino's team is playing now, I know Louisville Ballard is down in Florida at a big one as well, uh, are outstanding competition. In fact, coaches will try to use the holiday time when Indiana only plays Wednesday to Wednesday to get out and see some of these games and kind of get back in the recruiting mindset for a few days. Yeah, I think Ballard's here uh, yeah. in um, yeah. in Fort Myers. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it, a lot of states do that. There's a, I remember going a long time ago to the beach ball deal in Myrtle Beach because I had family down in Georgia and shot over there to see some guys. But, uh yeah, it's too bad that there might not be. There's no exception, maybe for a holiday trip, you know. 
for a high school team, maybe give them one every five year, four years or something like that. I, you know, um, I mean, sure. Ballard's having a pretty good trip, you know, pretty good time coming down here. Weather's been really good, but, uh, yeah, a lot, you know, plus there's a lot more of these prep school teams congregating some of the talent and this is an opportunity for them to play each other. When you're at these events, like the one in Fort Myers, is it kind of reminiscent of, a travel slash AAU slash shoe circuit event where <laughs> where there are college coaches lining up along the floor, or um, is the attendance less because they're in the middle of their seasons as well? It was. Uh, I tell you, what, this is the second time I've been to the one in Fort Myers. There are coaches. Um, a couple weeks ago, I went to uh, actually Montverde itself, and the timing was al- allowed uh, Duke to be there about every day, and they had uh, John Shire, their future coach, there, and I saw. Him. Um, the the coach of uh, Baylor, um, Scott was there, and and just I saw five or six coaches. Uh, I think Mike White from Florida was there, but last night uh, I didn't really recognize anybody except Mike Woodson and Kenya Hunter, and they were right there on mid court in the first row. And Randy Whitman came in with Mike Woodson, and they sat together. On Randy was in red and having a good time watching um you know a future hoosier absolutely mike pegram pigs.com joining us he's down in fort myers for the big tournament uh and also a note for those of you that uh read mike's website subscribe to mike's website pigs.com a good one-on-one interview with jalen hood shafino is posted and uh, that's on my to-do list here later this afternoon so Mike, appreciate the updates from out of town and exciting, uh, I think, feeling around Jalen hood Shafino by a lot of IU fans that are watching his progress uh, from a distance here this high school basketball season. And appreciate you joining us today. All right, Matt. Talk to you next week. All right, Take Mike. care, everyone. Absolutely. Bye. Mike Pegram with us. And, uh, again, a good interview with uh, hood Shafino available on the Peaks.com website. That's going to wrap things up for this Tuesday edition of the program. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 11 a.m. to get you ready for the Northern Kentucky IU game. A 7 o'clock tip-off and pregame coverage from Bloomington begins here on the Big X at 6 p.m. So that's coming up in our program tomorrow. And always remember, if you miss a show or miss a segment or you want to go back, all of our shows are available on podcasts. You can find them anywhere really that you listen to podcasts. All you have to do is search for The Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison and you'll find us there. And no matter how you listen, uh, live on the radio or uh, on a podcast, uh, appreciate you being with us hopefully each and every day. And a reminder that uh, we'd love to get your questions and comments, and thanks uh, to the handful of you that did today. Uh, You can always send us stuff on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. Have a great Christmas week. We'll be back with you throughout the week to talk IU basketball and local sports. Look forward to continuing our conversation tomorrow. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.